Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale, and I'm joined this week again by Dr. Benjamin Smith, our lecturer in philosophy. Jason, good morning. <laughs> good morning, <laughs> Ben. Sorry. All right, Ben's had his coffee. He is ready to go. That's right. I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right, so last week we had uh, talked mm. about um, political wisdom, and we began discussing mm. the, the principles of political wisdom uh, from the classics uh, with all the, you know, uh, political crisis and confusion today surrounding. I mean, it's just, it's so hard to, you know, Jason, a, Jason, what are you talking about? Is there a confusion? <laughs> Is there a crisis out there? Are you serious? That's because Dr. Smith, you've taken the, the, the wise advice, the wisest maybe advice of, uh, of turning off politics altogether. <laughs> That's right. I try to live in a hermetically sealed <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. information bubble. Oh man. <laughs> It's maddening. It's maddening, and, and I mean, yeah, you don't know what to you don't know what to believe. You don't know uh, who to listen to, uh, uh, and so you know it's good to go to dead people because they're not going to change their minds, uh, which is what we do here at Catholic Studies Academy. We <laughs> we look for good, uh, good and wise guides. Uh, sadly, however, most of them are dead, but we are not, and so we're going to talk about uh, political wisdom uh, this morning. And so, uh, Doctor Smith. Uh, to get us started, uh, give us a quick review of last time. We had covered the first uh, two principles of political wisdom, uh, and today we're going to get into the third one. So if you could give us a quick review so we can see sure. uh, the whole and everything here. Yeah, so the um, the three principles, and of course there's a lot more to be said, but these are just three really good starting points for classical political philosophy. Uh, the three are that man is uh, naturally political, mm -hmm. uh, second that uh, the political community is the perfect community, and third, that the common good is to be preferred to the individual good. Mm -hmm. So those are our three uh, principles, and then our takeaways last time, we just we only hit the first two principles uh, last time, that is that, that politics is natural and that the political community is perfect um, or complete. The takeaways uh, from that is one, that we're not free to um, make up the end of politics, that is, mm -hmm. Since political community is a natural kind of activity, um, politics has a natural end, just like marriage does, just like um, human, um, uh, most human activities or many human activities have a natural end. Right. So does um, a political community. Uh, two, that end is acquired um, active happiness or what sometimes authors would call civic happiness. And that consists in the virtuous use of external goods. Um, mm -hmm. so external goods cover everything from housing to marriage, um, to money, uh, all those sorts of things, right. That consume, uh, so much of our time to do those things well, to do those things virtuously, like with prudence, uh, excellence and efficiency. Uh, that's the, the common good, uh, of political community. That's important, right? Cause it, yeah. it both grounds our political activity, but also limits it, I think, in an important way. It creates a sphere, right, of, of political activity um, that, that's actually quite broad, I think, mm -hmm. but at the same time, um, not without limits, right? It does still, it's still limited, right? Um, and then uh, the third and fourth takeaways from last time is just to recognize that political community, because it involves a kind of happiness, a kind of human flourishing, is actually uh, very important, it's central, uh, to our lives, there are better goods than civic happiness, but um, that kind of happiness still is 
extremely important. And then uh, finally, um, that we need to recognize that our happiness is not something we achieve individually, right? right? That our happiness is something that is actually something we achieve in cooperation, in community with others. And I think just as an aside, you see how well this dovetails with a Catholic kind of ethos in general, right? Like, you know, even ourselves, of course, we can talk about that as an individual good and rightly so. Uh, We also recognize that it's really through being part of the church, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Through our shared life uh, with our brothers and sisters in Christ that we um, actually sort of um, grow closer to God, right? Through the life of the sacraments and, and so forth. Yeah. And that's, and that's the, you know, one of the first things that I always, when we, when we, you know, talk about politics, you know, it's important to, to go back to that, that foundation that it is natural uh, for the human person to, to live in community and that they're actually going to be, uh, uh, they're actually going to flourish as human persons when they're in a community, Uh, whether it be, you know, and we understand that if you're, if you're a parent, you understand that community as well. And then we have, you know, broader, larger communities and things like that. Um, but also like, I, I love, you know, the idea of understanding, um, that political sphere with, within those limits, mm-hmm. uh, because I mean, everything, everything out there, like there has to be limits in order for there to be things like freedom and flourishing and justice, sure. you know, and, and just, you know, for mm-hmm. for the for the virtues to to actually be able to uh, um, be lived out, uh, and for for you to build the virtues up, mm-hmm. there has to be limits. I mean, you know, or even just you know flourishing. I mean, look at, you know, think about if a if a uh, any sport uh, if it didn't have if it didn't have rules or limits, how would you know if you're sure. a good baseball player? If you, <laughs> right. uh-huh. you know, if you get six strikes and you know, well, Ben, you only get two strikes. You know, like <laughs> like you can't just you know. It, it's going to be a horrible baseball game and nobody's going to enjoy it except for this me. This is, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. There's, uh, uh, this is, uh, sometimes where I can't, I think kids have one of their, fir- uh, one of their first, uh, run-ins with justice, right? Oh gosh. It's like with the, the indignance they feel when people start arbitrarily changing the rules oh, yeah. like, during the game. <laughs> uh, last weekend, uh, the, some of the neighbor, uh, here in the neighborhood, some of the kids came over and played in the backyard and, we kept changing the rules, and it drove my youngest son absolutely out of his mind. <laughs> it was so angry. It's like this is unjust, you and, know? Uh, right? We just kept changing the rules. Oh know? yeah, yeah. And kids and kids understand that. You know, again, in point, you know, it's not you know direct proof or anything like that, but I think sure. it's evidence that it's that that you know many of these things are 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 natural. And like we had said, because yeah. um, because. Uh, they are natural. They have a natural end, uh, which we do not determine, uh, which I think is very important to to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. When thinking about politics, talking about politics is what is the end of politics, uh, which mm-hmm. we had talked about, which which is the acquired act of happiness. And mm-hmm. so we talked about those those first two principles that led into that. Um, now the th- now the third principle. This is this one's sure. huge. It's huge, yeah, and, um, and there's a lot to it. And I think there's a lot of uh, uh, misunderstanding around uh, many mm-hmm. of the the aspects of it. And that's the idea of the common good. That the that's common right. good is higher than the individual good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So where do we even so, begin with this? <laughs> yeah. So one thing, just a little, a little bit of context, uh, I think that's uh, useful. This 
This idea, of course, is well embedded in classical political thought before St. Thomas. Mm-hmm. So this really, uh, I mean, you can find it in Plato. Uh, you can certainly find it articulated in the work of Aristotle, um, mm-hmm. you know, with a great deal of precision. It certainly is uh, something we find um, established in Roman law and the Roman legal tradition. Uh, something that Cicero and the Stoic philosophers talk about. But really, I mean, I, I think it's it's place in Roman law was very important because as the legal reforms of the 12th and the 11th century uh, began to happen in you know, medieval Christian Europe, um, Roman law really was not the sole standard, but was a very important resource during those legal reforms, um, during kind of the, the, the sort of reestablishment and um, rethinking and reapplication of a legal system. And so even in the revisions of the code of canon law, church law, um, you know, the, that Roman law played an important part. And right at the center of Roman law is the idea of the res publica, right? The, the common good, right, of the public, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that, that idea um, is just, you know, part of the mainstream Western civilization really up until the modern period. Um, in our own time, it, uh, there was pretty um, uh, active debate I would say, in the middle of the 20th century, uh, between some pretty heavy hitters in the Thomist tradition, uh, Jacques Maritain and Charles de Connick um, uh, were involved in, and uh, sorry, uh, also uh, Father Eschman, were involved in a debate about uh, the primacy of the common good. Now, for my own part, I think that uh, Charles de Connick, you know, won that debate just walking away, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, like when you when a boxer knocks out his opponent in the third round kind of thing, you know. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I think it wasn't even close. But um, anyways, uh, so um, what do we mean when we talk about the primacy of the common good? Okay? Yeah. Uh, the primacy of the common good. So the common good is greater than the individual good. Um, that has to do with the idea that the common good is a shared good, right? Mm-hmm. So there are different kinds of goods that are, are, are objectives that are desirable and actualizing for one, right? That would be an example of the individual good. So right. my health, right, is an individual good. Um, my health might be important to my children uh, accidentally or secondarily, mm-hmm. um, but my health is not their health. My right. health doesn't actualize them, right, and actualize their bodies. Um, my health is my own. Uh, so that would be an example of an individual good, okay? Right. Um, a common good is a good that is shared with others. So the common good would be something like the victory of a sports team, the victory of an army, um, a beautiful symphony, right? So a well-performed yeah. symphony would be an example for the orchestra, right, of its common good, right? Um, so... Um, um, does that, do those examples help? Yeah. Now, now, would you would you consider uh, the common good um, to be just kind of the conglomerate or the 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 all the individual goods put together? Can we can we say no. that? Yeah. <laughs> no. no. Okay. <laughs> it's not the aggregate or some yeah. total of individual goods, um, and that's where a lot of people go astray. Yep. That's a, a yeah. lot. Of, a lot of progressive politics. Unfortunately, a lot of kind of progressive Catholics who I think are misled by this language come to the conclusion that, oh, well, the individual good is, or the common good is a lot of individuals being healthy yes. or a lot of individuals yeah, yeah. owning a home or a lot of individuals having a certain health plan or something like that. Um, not so. Uh, those things may be related, right, in some way. Sure. 
but the common good is not the individual good, right? It's not, and it's not, it is, it is a qualitatively different kind of good. That's right. what's important. It's not just the multiplication of individual goods. Kind of progressive left-wing politics tends to, to think of the common good in those terms. Right. Um, uh, now, well, I think we can sort of criticize uh, kind of the libertarian side of that equation with thinking, well, <clears throat> the individual good's better than the common good, right? So, yeah. you know, so the left sort of, the left wing sort of politics tends to sort of confuse, get confused about the common good. Um, sometimes the kind of libertarian side of things tends to just ignore the common good. Um, but yes, yeah, so the common good is a different kind of good. So let me, I think we can illustrate this with, with military matters, right? If mm -hmm. you think about, um, say the Roman Legion and the way that, a um, Roman military formation operated, it did not operate in order to save the, the lives of the individual soldiers. Right. It operated in a way to establish and achieve victory for the whole, right? So you might lose this or that legionary, right? This or that individual soldier might die, and yet the common good be achieved, right? right. It may even be the case, now it's rarely the case, if you look at matters historically, you know, um, we have these in, in movies and so forth, uh, you know, have these dramatic, uh, there tend to be portrayals of these dramatic last stands or yeah. casually right, above 50%. Historically, right, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, <clears throat> historically, you know, most armies hardly ever fight to anything close to the last man, right? They, they <laughs> usually, you know, I mean, it's usually something like 20%, 25% would be the max casualty ratio. But anyways, the, um, but you could still, it's still possible to conceptualize a situation in which most of the soldiers in a given army died, yeah. and yet they won, yeah. right? And and that would be they still achieved the common good, even though the aggregate of individual goods uh, was less, or or minimized, or or declined. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a I think that's a very important point, uh, which is why I brought that up because very early on, because many times the the common good I think gets reduced to just the aggregate of individual goods. Um, mm -hmm. and it's just, it's one of those things. And, and like you said, it's, it's no, it's, it's a, it's a different kind of good altogether. Mm -hmm. It is not, um, just, you know, it, it's not consequentialism, you know, where that's it's right. not, it, it, we can't just say, well, what's good for most people, then that's what we should right, do. Right, you know, right, you, you don't right. want it. You don't want this, this, uh, primacy of the common good to lead to a consequentialist kind of, uh, yeah. morality yeah. or ethics. Um, mm -hmm. so that's very important. I think very often when you bring in the common good, and unfortunately many Catholic leaders and theologians yeah. fall into this error uh, of thinking that um, thinking like utilitarians, right. <laughs> right? When it comes to thinking about the common good, right? Um, because they misunderstand the very nature of the good in question. Right. So what makes it, or, or what what is it that 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 really? Uh, separates it from uh, from individual goods. Like, how do we how do we seek out the common good, even to the detriment of? Mm -hmm. uh, or how do we how do we determine that in a society that that disagrees on a lot? How do we begin to mm -hmm. to talk about the common good in a real and true way? <laughs> That's a great difficulty. To <laughs> I mean, this is one of the problems of our politics, right? Yeah. Is that is that we. Um, we don't have a shared vision of the common good. Yeah. Uh, one of the things um, 
that I would want to stress in a in an understanding of the politics of the common good is that first you have to have at least some shared vision of that. Yeah. And that goes really to the question that, that often gets ignored, I think, in political community <clears throat> of uh, shared ethos, right? <clears throat> it's not that you need to have a uniform vision, right, of the common good. Right. But if you don't have a shared vision, at least for you know most of the population, you cannot achieve the common good, right? right? Um, it's not a lowest common denominator kind of uh, goal, you think, you know, just think about it again, about a sports team, when a sports team is effective, when an army is effective, mm-hmm. it sees the, it has, it's unified by a shared objective, right? And that shared objective, right, is what inspires the, the teammates to put, to play so hard, right? To sacrifice themselves for the greater, uh, good of the team, um, that you know, that having that kind of shared vision is is critical, and that's why it's important that 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 the that the ethos of the nation um, be cultivated, uh, be uh, protected, and uh, be fostered by uh, political leaders. Um, it uh, uh, this pushes against, and I think Aristotle is pretty clear about this. This pushes against the kind of deep pluralism that's so popular today. Yeah. That actually, actually, deep pluralism and real political community does not go together. Um, you'd be better off um, sort of going your own ways, right? Yeah. Uh, in, a, in a sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, like, diversity for the sake of diversity is not, it's not a virtuous thing. You know, if sure. one of, if one of them is, is, is really erroneous, like, no, That's it's, right. yeah, it's right, better right. that, you know, something like right. that should, uh, I mean, should leave. Yeah, diversity about, you know, things like, um, you know, uh, men being bearded or the scandal of beardless men, right? <laughs> the, you know, we can have things like that. That kind of diversity, right, can yeah. you know, be tolerated. Uh, deep, you know, sort of diversity, though, like where, where there's this real, you know, we can't even uh, agree anymore on, on say, what, what what is marriage or um, what is just what or is about gender, killing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what is, you know, like killing the unborn, the things of that nature. Those cut. Those, I mean, those obviously that, that goes pretty deep, um, and and you really have radically opposed, not just moderately opposed, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, you could say some somebody could be sort of an FDR progressive and say a Reaganite, and still sort of live in the same country. I would say, right? Yeah. Um, you know, with enough shared worldview. Uh, but when you start to get to the point where you're talking about, you know, like uh, marriage and abortion and, and all these sorts of things, right, then I think it becomes, um, you know, too problematic um, really to, to endure. So what's really important then is to to have a clear vision of what is the common good, mm-hmm. the political common good. We've already talked about it, but just to revisit it, the political common good is the acquired active happiness. And now I can add of the whole, right? Of the whole, yeah. So... Um, that is a good, and we talked about the reasons why, that is a good that's uh, achieved in community. So um, the virtuous use of external goods is uh, achieved uh, in community because of uh, the need for security, the need for justice, the need for uh, differentiation of labor, um, the need to bring together many different resources in order to create culture and uh, maintain a culture over time. Um, That good, Right, that civic good, right, is <clears throat> is better 
than my individual good, right? Right, And that's why it's to be preferred, right? So we are to prefer the common good of the political community to the individual good of um, the part, right? That's the, the idea of the principle. The, that's yeah. the, the, the real principle there. Now, how does this, how does this not turn into, because I can see an objection already forming in maybe some mm -hmm. people's minds is, you know, well, how does this not become like we were just talking about? How does this not become utilitarian or, or communistic, you know, with regards mm -hmm. to, you know, well, if, if the, this, you know, come on, comrade, do it for the good of the part, you know, <laughs> yeah. do it, do it for the good of, you know, how do we, uh, yeah. uh you know, one uh, thing that's really in interesting yeah. there, I'm sorry, go ahead, is, is he, is the language of do it for the good of the party, right? As soon as somebody starts telling, like, do it for the good of the party, right? <laughs> then I'm, I'm going, hmm, what are we talking about here? Now, if you say do it for the good of Mother Russia, yeah. right? Yeah. That's not, that has a little different ring to it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's actually really instructive that when you look at the Soviet Union, right, they banned, right, references to Russia, to the czar, things like that during the early days of the Russian Revolution. Um, they They coined the terms uh, the, the term nationalism, right? Mm. In terms of you love your nation more than the party, more than your class, right? Yeah. Talking about their, their particular ideology. Um, it wasn't until like the darkest days of World War II that they started bringing back references to Russia, right? Mm. They started appealing to the native natural pat patriotism of the people, right? Interesting, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, but yeah, so uh, well, let me first, before I answer that objection, which is a very important one. Yeah. Um, I want to just give two arguments for the primacy of the common good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. So, and, and maybe say a little bit about what that means. So the primacy of the common good, we should love the common good of the political community more than my individual good for, for two kinds of arguments. You can actually come up with more, but these are at least the two most important. One is because the common good is a greater good than the individual good or the individual. Um, okay. Yeah. So what do I mean by that? Uh, why is it the case? So if you think about the common good, is a is a final cause. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a higher and more universal final cause because it perfects the many, whereas the individual good only perfects the one. And that's not that you, know, you might say, well, that just sounds kind of like utilitarianism. Not really, because what we're talking about is two different levels or two different kinds of final cause. Right. One is a final cause of one. It's a particular individual final cause. The other is a final cause. <clears throat> of the many. And so what you have here is you're comparing an, an individual or particular cause to a universal cause, right? And the universal cause is superior, right, uh, to the particular cause. D does that make sense? Yeah, I think maybe maybe a good analogy, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe a good analogy is when people try to use uh, something like the, uh, when we're talking about uh, life issues, you know, they'll mm. say, well, you know, there's there's many different life issues and they try to equate all of them. It's like, no, mm -hmm. the, the, the fundamental right to life is a different mm -hmm. kind of right or it's a okay, different. Sure. Does that, does that, is that a good analogy? A, yeah. You know, uh, it's a different yeah, it's... kind of, of right than all of the other ones, because all of the other ones presuppose your life. Presuppose you're alive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's more fundamental in that sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, one way you might think about it is say a particular sandwich versus the sun. <laughs> right, right. A particular sandwich might be a cause, a, an individual cause yeah. of health. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the sun is a universal and superior cause 
right, of health. Right, right. right. So what we can see is that, that there's a higher kind of causality at work here, right, mm -hmm. or a higher level of causality. So since we should love the, the higher good more than the lesser good, we should therefore love the common good more than the individual good. That's just rational. Right. right? Um, the, uh, the second argument has to do with the perfection of the whole versus the imperfection of the part. Um, now, for some reason, I, and it kind of goes into, I guess, the American psyche to some degree, but also just kind of modern subjectivism. Um, there's a, a tendency to dislike this kind of argument. But as we talked about before, the, the political community is complete, right, for civic happiness, mm -hmm. for acquired active happiness. As such, we can say that it, it is perfect in that sense, right, as complete for that goal. The individual is not, right? right? The individual is a part in the sense that, <clears throat> that the individual can come or go, right, um, without the whole losing its perfection. <clears throat> also, the individual is a part in the sense that the individual depends upon the whole, right, mm -hmm. in order to have access to that common good, yeah. right? So um, I'm, I was born into the United States of America. Um, it existed before I lived, and God willing, it'll exist after I die. Um, and my ability to have access to acquired active happiness mm -hmm. uh, depends upon the functioning of the United States of America. So in that sense, I'm imperfect compared to the perfect whole. Um, I am I am a dependent in that sense. Now again, we dislike that language. Okay, <laughs> uh, we rebel against it. But just think, even if you're an entrepreneur, right? The truth is, you depend upon. Uh, even if you're a private business owner, you depend upon the environment created by, right, your country in order to operate effectively. Yeah. Right. Um, so in that sense, again, because the the because the political community is a perfect whole compared to the individual is an imperfect part. And we should love the perfect more than the imperfect. We should love the common good of the whole more than the individual good of the part. Um, that kind of pushes against our sense of individualism yeah. and not so great. But uh, I think it's nonetheless rational and logical. Yeah. Um, now, important qualification. I didn't say instead of yes. the individual good. I said yeah. more than. Okay. <laughs> so we always come back to this, right? There's a hierarchy here. Okay. A hierarchy allows for you to love one thing, for one thing to be higher than another without completely negating, right, the inferior. Yes. So my individual good is inferior to the common good of the United States of America. It doesn't mean that my individual good is worthless, right? right. It just means it's subordinate. Okay. Yeah. And even when you look at, you know, the, the, the church's teaching on um, goods and private property that, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, we do, we hold up the universal destination of goods that those that those things uh, that meet the, the necessities of life, they belong to everybody uh, uh, in a very real way. But at the same time, it does not negate uh, that we have a, that we have a right to private property. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, but at the same time, you know, that private property can't be used to, you know, subjugate others to the point of, you know, taking away sure. from their, you know, uh, uh, necessities of life and things. So, I mean, right. again, we're, we're not putting these two at odds with each other, but we're yeah. putting them in balance. And I think that's, again, where probably mm -hmm. most, um, political philosophies get off or, or political sure. stances get right. off as they try to pit these together, you know? 
right. You know, I mean, and we could see this even with you or know, put them against each other, right? Uh, but they're yeah. not against each other, right? Um, I think they're actually sort of arranged hierarchically. But yeah, right, right. Yeah, and one one is there for the for the service of the other. You know, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, Amazon can't uh, succeed without. Now I know. Yeah, we could talk about evil later, but uh, <laughs> uh, but 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 even like you like you said, for the, for them to succeed in in business, there has to be those uh, those the 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 right environment there, which they did not necessarily create. Sure, uh, now, sure. do they? Yeah, and so you know, so. Those things have to uh, be be held in balance and not, you know, even, you know, it's, I was thinking of, um, there's a quote that often gets misused um, by uh, St. Gregory the Great, you know, talking about for, for when we give somebody the, uh, the necessities of life, um, we are paying a debt of justice rather than accomplishing a work of mercy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're, which, which, I mean, you know, as a, a uh, as a good American, I mean, sometimes, you know, you're like, oh, I don't know about that. That's, that's pretty, mm-hmm. that's pretty intense. Um, mm-hmm. But it is this balance of, you know, private property of uh, the, but, but also the universal destination of goods, which uh, helps the, helps build up the common good mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in that way. I think, I think that the thinking about the common good gives us a framework for thinking about those issues, right? So if we understand the common right. good, right, we can, we can start to 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 kind of fill that picture out. Let me use an example here that's uh, I think very important, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about how you achieve the common good. Yeah. Um. The the soldier right is the classical question here. So your individual, the, in a lot of ways, right? We would say under normal circumstances, you have as a good, it's desirable for you to preserve your life. <laughs> And for you to uh, do things that promote your life, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, and and it's wrong, right, to um, destroy your life, right? right. So, uh, whether it's um, you know, like on, on things about sort of health, right? Like you're not required to be as healthy as possible, but you are required to not destroy your health, right? Um, and, and of course, at the more extreme end of the, the spectrum, um, you know, suicide is prohibited, right? It's, it's immoral, mm-hmm. um, to commit suicide or to help someone else commit suicide because of the duty of, of self-preservation and of the end of the end of self-preservation, right? That's under normal circumstances. What about the soldier, right? The mm-hmm. soldier who hazards his life, uh, in order to defend, right? the um the city the city from an unjust aggressor leaving aside all the issues about just war right now but just you know accepting that tradition um what do we say about the soldier who hazards his life for um uh the common uh, for the city is he acting irrationally is he unreasonable is he um uh um uh, acting in a way that's vicious or contrary to virtue. Right. Um, there are, I think, a, a plenty of Enlightenment philosophers who would say he is acting against his self, his rational self-interest. Right. <laughs> and if you think of reason in terms of self-interest, right, um, in sort of a narrow way, then uh, I think that's quite right. Right. But uh, that's not the that's that's an inappropriate uh, and truncated mm-hmm. political mission. What we need to recognize is actually the soldier who does who hazards his life for the common good is acting rationally. That is, he is loving the common good of the city 
more than the individual good of his own life, which is rational, right? Yeah. It's rational to serve the common good of the community more than the individual good of, um, of myself, including even the individual good of my life. So I'm acting virtuously. I mean, a soldier is acting virtuously when he risks and hazards his life for um, the common good of the city, right? The coward who abandons his post or the traitor, right, who sells out his city, right? Yeah. They're acting with great wickedness, right? And this is why um, cowardice and treason have always been subject to capital punishment. Um, the... Um, they're, because they are directly acting for their individual good against the common good of the city. Uh, and that's deeply irrational, unjust, and vicious. And I think even when you look at the words of Christ, like, you know, um, it isn't giving that you receive or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. many of those statements that appear throughout sacred scripture, you know, the, you know, the question has to be, well, you're not giving yourself like mm-hmm. to yourself. You know, you're giving yourself to, to others. I, know, which, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of modern life kind of seems like that, but I, I know what you mean, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or what is the, yeah, there was just a thing about somebody defining the single life as the, the, uh, 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 I am the, oh gosh, what was it? It was like the self, uh, partnered life. That's how they, <laughs> that's how they define the single life, the self partnered life. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So, I mean, this, this idea, yeah, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's tragic. <laughs> it's tragic. Oh, sweet ridiculous. meteor of death. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's mod. you know, but, oh, but, but, but I mean, like even in, even in our, in the words of our Lord, in the words of sacred scripture, uh-huh. uh, it, it points to that, that, that natural end uh, that we are made for others and that um, the the weird thing, and, and I say this in a, you know, uh, just tongue in cheek kind of a way, but the weird thing is that because we are made this way, that, that when we do give for the, the common good, we also find fulfillment uh, uh, in that we, we begin to flourish, you know, even if it, even if it may, even if you live in a culture where it seems to to go against everything that you believe uh, to act for the common good. When we actually do act for the common good, sure. uh, um, it, it, we, we, we find fulfillment uh, uh, in that, you know? Absolutely. I think the, uh, we recognize, we talked about last time, uh, nature is strong. So even if our, our culture or, idea, or the ideology of our culture pushes against this, societies do recognize, right? Yeah. Um, the primacy of the common good in various ways, especially in military matters, especially when honoring the dead or, um, or soldiers who have fallen in battle. Um, you know, we, we memorialize them, right? Um, you know, uh, in the United States here, you know, Memorial Day is not a general celebration of the military day. It is not a, uh, it's not Veterans Day. Uh, Memorial Day is a day in which we recognize those who have died, right, in the service mm-hmm. of the country, especially those who have died in battle, not only, but especially. Um, so the uh, we memorialize them, right? There's a recognition. It's interesting, many Catholic theologians in the early 20th century talked about uh, dying for your country in battle as being close to a kind of natural martyrdom yeah, uh, because of the great dignity of the civic community um, is, is and of the, of the uh, political common good. Uh, there's a it's a high degree right of uh, virtue that's uh, deeply praiseworthy um, when someone has their life for that. But let me just also say um, that 
you know, this is what justifies the king, right, or the leader of the country, knowing that many individual soldiers will die, yeah. right? And is and when he's making these commands, this is a heavy burden, it's a heavy burden, right, for political sure. leaders, for military leaders to bear. It's something to always keep in mind. Um, that when they order, you know, uh, their army into battle, into war, um, there's going to be losses, right? You know, uh, and you know it, right? Yeah. You may even, part of your battle plan might even be uh, in a given situation to um, allow a certain part of your military formation to undergo heavy duress at the least or to highly risk them, right? Right. Um, you know, I think about the Spartans at Thermopylae uh, as an example. Um, and yet that, that, that can be, notice I say can be, it's not always, but it can be uh, just and rational uh, under the right circumstances. Of course, most of us, Jason, aren't going to be called to that kind of uh, sure. service to the political common good. But that just sort of puts it at the extreme, like the, a clear example at the extreme. Right. In our in our daily lives, how do we how do we serve the political common good? I think there's two kind of avenues okay. that we could think about here. First is, uh, and most clearly, is obedience to the law. Mm -hmm. Obedience is a virtue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry folks it is sorry. yeah <laughs> uh obedience is, is is a part of virtue and then second is um uh is actually in our daily lives right the ordinary task of our daily lives contribute to the building up of the common good yeah uh in our society and that actually helps to kind of maybe balance the picture a little bit uh in case you know you're you're worried um but just let's talk about obedience for here for a minute, and sure. then, then maybe we can bring in some objections. Um, obedience, right here. Who has the, the 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 person who has the primary charge for the political common good, right? Actively is the king, right, mm -hmm. or whatever leader or set of leaders, political leaders you have. I'm just going to say the king because it's easier. Um, so the king, right, has charge of the political common good. It's he has charge of it, not for himself, not mm -hmm. for his individual good, right. right? Similarly to you know, similar to the to the uh, to the father and the family, right? It's not for his own sake, right, or for his individual good or his own aggrandizement that he has that authority. He has that authority for the common good of the polis, right? The common good of the kingdom, I should say, if we're going to talk about kings. <laughs> but anyways, um, the um, and so he can enact laws in order to foster the virtuous use of external goods mm -hmm. this might this now this could have a wide variety of laws right sure. depending on the circumstances could be appropriate um some you would expect to see there for sure right like some of the basic precepts of the natural law right obviously like prohibiting murder uh prohibiting adultery uh those sorts of things um uh would be serious uh matters that that pertain to law uh, you know of course also prohibiting fraud establishing weights and measures right. things of that nature right you know uh that, that all contribute to the common good those are things to be ex you would expect again there might be other um uh um remedy other other measures depending on the circumstances and the people and the customs but he has the right and not just the right the duty to frame laws to promulgate laws and enforce laws that foster uh the political common good how do we deal with that is we obey those laws. Yeah. <laughs> All right. um, now, um, that's the way in our ordinary circumstances, 
right, that we uh, foster the common good is by following laws that foster the common good. Right. Right. Um, so when I talk, like, when I'm thinking about my family and my kids, right, this is an analogy, you know, sometimes when they, when they don't do, they don't follow the rules, right? Mm-hmm. On a serious side, I'll sit down and say, you know, like the, the rule isn't arbitrary. Like I didn't just make up this rule. <laughs> to control you, yeah. Right, yeah, just for the sake of having a rule. I made up this rule about not running in the house because when people run in houses, they run into walls often, <laughs> right? They, they cause chaos, they break things. You, you follow me, right? Like that pertains to the common good of the household. Yeah. Um, it's not an arbitrary kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. what do you think about it, that, Jason? Yeah. And, and it, it, it goes to, it goes to kind of the, the idea though, that there are, that the laws that are in place are there uh, uh, justly and kind of without, uh, without corruption of motive or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think that's where a lot of people then get into, um, especially today, at least in our American uh, situation, is where we get into two ideas about, well, the the justification of certain laws and things like that, you know. Um, but also, you know, I mean, like it, it, it does it. it I mean, it, I mean, it just, again, it, it just makes sense on a, on a natural level because it is a very natural thing uh, mm-hmm. that the that the obedience of law that the obedience of law uh, creates, um, uh, you know, again, with, with the, the, the premise being that these laws were created justly and all of that, um, that it does create kind of a harmonious society. I mean, it it creates a a pleasant household, you know, on a familial level, if you have these laws established and everybody follows them, it it creates harmony. It creates, Mm -hmm. uh, but I, but it also creates, uh, um, the opportunity for you know real exercises of of, of freedom, uh, which sure. leads to to flourishment and the the building up of culture, the building up of uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, the 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 individual goods of society, but also the common sure. good as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You know, right. it's just I mean, and, and I think it's you know, um, it's impossible to build up the common good without. <laughs> Without the, law, obedience, right, right, right. without the obedience, without the obedience of law, um, right. you know, and it, and it, and it also points to you know um, uh, patriotism as well, um, sure. to to respect uh, to respect the 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 nation or you know and to have mm-hmm. to have pride uh, uh, in the land that you were born, you know, um, sure, uh, which yeah, you know Saint important. yeah, which Saint Thomas I know calls a calls a virtue, um, sure, um, and yeah, yeah, piety. Um, you know, and it can take, you know, um, you know, f- forms of, of patriotism can turn into um, vices or can uh, mm-hmm. leave the virtuous realm when it starts to justify sure. things like, you know, we're patriots to the point of um, we're going to do evil things to bring about the greater good or the common good. Right, you know, right, sure. that's, where, you know that. that's where, you know, that's where, yeah, sure. you get into issues and things far. like that. But it, sorry, I don't yeah, want to so, get too far off topic. But no, 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 it's it's good. Patriotism is an important part of it, um, uh, and can be a good motive for obeying the laws, right? Um, uh, we tend to not think too often. I think of obeying the law as a matter of morality. Yeah. Um, but it is right. Disobeying the law is 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 evil. Uh, it's a vice. It's sin. 
Um, now you might say, well, wait, wait, wait a second. Like, what <laughs> if the king orders something bad? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, am I am I bound to obey that? And what St. Thomas would say, well, it kind of depends. It depends on how bad, right? <laughs> uh, if you're talking about some minor injustice, some minor problem, then, you know, you might carry through with the law, um, or at least not, you might sort of passively resist or ignore the law, but you're, you're not going to sort of publicly break it because of the overall good of, goodness of the law, of law in general, right? right? And for the sake of the common good, right? So let's say something like, um, uh, it, I'll, kind of a sensitive issue, but so if you take the example, uh, a sensitive example would say something like excessive taxation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that kind of helps us understand a little bit. Um, so excessive taxation is uh, a reality. Uh, it's a sin. It's wrong, right? Does the king have the power to levy a tax? Absolutely. Uh, we may not like it, but it's true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he has the right to levy a tax in, or, for the sake of the common good. So maybe he needs to acquire resources for raising the army, for paying judges, uh, for keeping prisons running, uh, those sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after all the, you know, the the uh, uh, the hangman has to get paid, right? <laughs> so the uh, he might have kids too. Uh, so um, the um, uh, taxation is legitimate, right? Right. Taxation for uh, imprudent or stupid reasons is not. Yeah. Taxation beyond what's required for the political common good is not. Taxation for personal aggrandizement or pet projects is not, right? Those are all be examples of unjust, excessive taxation. Now, let's say, you know, let's say that you're being taxed at a rate, though, that's just a little above what's required, mm-hmm. right? Let's say you have a country that's a little wasteful, right? You know, do you, do you follow me? Yeah. Are you are you entitled to disobey the law because it's a little excessive? No. no. Right. Right. Because the political common good is of such a great magnitude, uh, disobedience to the law is, is so wretched, uh, right, and causes so many problems uh, that you wouldn't be entitled to disobey the law, even if it's even if the tax in the question is a little excessive. Yeah. Now let's say that you know the taxation is per is. Uh, significantly right um unjust you know um uh, deeply excessive pervasive right mm-hmm. and and really funds only vice or something of that nature right well you might be you know i mean you have to be prudent about it but you might be entitled to disobey the law there so um i think that's a good way of illustrating that there are that the law is for the common good mm-hmm. obedience to the law is virtuous. Um, there are, of course, some exceptions where disobedience is permissible. Right. Um, but those are the exception, uh, I think, to the rule. Um, now, you might say, well, wait a second, if the common good is so important, how could you ever be justified, right, mm-hmm. in disobedience? Yeah. And I think what you could say is, well, and this is what St. Thomas says about it, is that when the king enacts uh, brings about pervasive and significant injustice over time, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Notice my qualifications. Over time, yeah. <laughs> over time, and it's pervasive and it's significant, right? So it's not just minor injustices. It's not just an injustice in this area, right? Yeah, but yeah. Pervasive, yeah. significant, and over time, then that authority loses his authority. Right. He loses his right to command, right? right? Which is the authority. So you have authority, legitimate authority has a right to issue commands, right? Um, 
and the king possesses that insofar as he's serving the common good. Mm -hmm. If he falls into pervasive, significant uh, injustice over time, he ceases to be a true king. Right. And rather, right, right. he becomes a tyrant. And his edicts become not laws, but usurpations, uh, tyrannous actions that may be uh, resisted, even, you know, even in, ex in the most extreme cases by uh, force of arms. Mm, wow. So I think, I think it's interesting. Um, the, again, that, that's when there's no other possible remedy, you know, that all those sorts of things. Right. right. Well, and I think that's um, a point, important point you put there. Uh, no other possible remedy uh, that there has mm -hmm. to, that, you know, it, it is one of those things where there has to be, you have to seek solutions outside of, you know, uh, disobedience and, um, you know, Le uh, arms. Normal legal remedies. Yeah, right, yeah, right. <laughs> Taking up yeah. arms. No, that, again, that, that's at the extreme end, yeah. but it's, it is a reality sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, so um, the common good justifies law. The common good uh, motivates and requires uh, the practice of obedience on the part of subjects or citizens. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that's one side of it. That, that requirement for obedience is not limitless, though, yeah. as I've tried to uh, illustrate. Uh, the other way, and I know we're, we're going long on time, so I'll just try to be brief here. Um, the other way that we serve the common good, though, really is through our daily task, right? Yeah. That is, you know, uh, a housewife serves the common good by taking care of her family. Um, the doctor serves the common good by caring for his patients. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, an attorney serves the common good by defending his client or prosecuting um, those who have been, um, you know, brought to trial, uh, defending the public as it goes. Uh, so there are different ways of serving the common good. We all serve the common good in our various activities of life. Right. This grounds what is called the principle of subsidiarity in contemporary discourse. I think it grounds it in a classical context. That is, the common good is served when housewives, gardeners, and doctors are permitted to achieve their proper good. Right, their yep. proper yep. good, uh, their proper end. Right. So what's it's it's not proper to the king to um as king right to procreate children and educate them right um maybe his own children right but not children at large right does that make sense yeah right um it's proper to the king to defend the citizens or the subjects from unjust aggression but it's not proper to the king as king to uh heal heal um their illness right what's pro that's that's the proper activity of the doctor Right, right. Of medicine, right? You know, so when you start thinking this in this in these terms, right, you come to realize, oh, well, actually, the common good is uh, I actually promote the common good by being a good professor, by being a good scholar, by being a good teacher and good father, and, mm -hmm. and those sorts of things. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and I think, and, and the other thing to to understand with that is that it would actually uh, be wrong if if the king decides, well, I can do it better, or you guys keep messing it up. Mm -hmm. uh, like even in the case of like where something is done poorly, that doesn't mean that uh, a higher authority should take it. Um, that yeah. it should still be left to, to the, the one who's, whose charge it is uh, to be sure. father, to be uh, you know, and it's not the place of, you know, the King to be all of those things. Um, That's right. Uh, yeah. I mean, and again, this is, this hopefully should sound just, kind of uh common sense uh, mm -hmm. uh to our to our listeners 
Um, but it's but it's ba- it is common sense, but it is based, you know, on uh, um, reality, but also <laughs> on uh, good, sound political wisdom uh, sure, right, to, right. to have these um, principles at the base of 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 who we are. And also when you talk about, you know, flourishing as a doctor, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, or flourishing as a gardener, like there has mm-hmm. to be that environment there. There has to be that right. freedom to be allowed to to be i don't want to you know i guess i don't know if creative is the right word but in a, like that, yes, you know in a maybe even in a theological term to participate you know in god's uh creation you know in that particular way for for mm-hmm. whatever it is uh that you're tasked to do mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. all right so we have these two paths so the the obedience um uh obedience to the law and then uh the second path uh that we're talking about here is um how how would it, how did you say it how do you word it well i mean you could just call it subsidiarity or subsidiarity. I think you could say uh more classically something like um the pursuit of your proper good right? pursuit of so, your proper and, good okay you know when i'm pursuing those things i am contributing to the common good of society now that's with the assumption that i'm pursuing my proper good right <laughs> virtuous right? yeah um, so, uh, you know, if you're a really effective pornographer, you're not um, <laughs> contributing to the common good, right? right. You're, you're, you're detracting from the common good. Why is that? Because you're producing something, even if you're uh, efficient and effective, right? You make lots of money. Um, you're, um, you're, you're, you're doing something that's vicious, right? And yeah. vice deteriorates, right? It subverts, I should say, um, the political common good. Um, but on the supposition that you're doing, you're pursuing your proper good, right? Um, then that is how you um, pursue the common good. Uh, that's one of the important ways in which you contribute to the common good. And very importantly, I want to say, you know, when the if the political community tries to appropriate to itself the proper uh, activity of the housewife mm. of the of the wife, right? It deprives itself, right? Yeah. Of uh, that good, right? Or the doctor, or whoever it is, right? Um, the, the 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 political common good really assumes that and uh, that those parts that are that belong to the whole mm-hmm. are going to pursue effectively their proper goods. If it tries to take those over, yeah. right, it's actually going to make a mess of it, right? Um, so that uh, um, you know, if it tries to uh, assume the task of the gardener, right. Um, that it's it's not going to you know the the king qua king the king as king has no expertise in gardening right uh, and should not interfere with the work of the gardener right now if the gardener starts to like garden other people's property without their permission <laughs> right yeah then that's when the king comes in right and you says know? yeah just uh, garden on your own property you know. But it, it, yeah, right, yeah, right, right. yeah, and you can see there how how you know this 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 idea of you know understanding the common good and the ways to which we bring about uh, uh, the the building up of the common good respects both authority but also uh, individual liberty and I and I say that kind of with a grimace just because I don't want to fall into like individualism or libertarianism, um, but it but it you know respects like you said that 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 good proper to uh whatever that person's uh role is in that society uh mm-hmm. um so i mean it, it has it has this balance between respecting um but also um the the, the authority mm-hmm. 
Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, uh, that's an important element. When we think about liberty here, and maybe this will anticipate a certain objection, um, mm-hmm. liberty rightly construed, we've, ta- we've, we've talked about freedom before, and yeah. I think it's important to go back and, and look at that. Um, if you want to go back and look at prior podcasts where we've, we've talked about freedom, but freedom is about choosing the good. Right. Um, you're not free to choose evil. Right. Um, there are lots of goods you can choose, right? You need not choose all of them. You can't in fact, <laughs> choose all of them, right? Uh, but um, uh, you're only free uh, to choose among goods. Genuine, authentic freedom within, say, I would say the, the political realm involves uh, a certain amount of self-governance over your proper goods, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So over that good that is proper to you, you should be able to govern yourself in its pursuit. Right. Um, so notice there's limits here. It's a really, it's about government, <laughs> right? That is you exercising authority in your life, you exercising prudence in your life, right? You exercising uh, choices in your life and deliberation to pursue that proper end, right? Mm-hmm. That proper mm-hmm. good uh, to your particular function in society. Um, so as a father, right, Jason, right, it's, you you should you're at liberty, right, to um, to govern and direct your family for its proper end, right, right, for for what's proper to you as a father. Um, uh, you're that doesn't mean you can do anything, right, right. Um, and obviously, in in serious matters, right, the state might have to intervene, right, into even the family, right, yep. uh, where there's extreme abuse and things of that nature. Um, uh, so there's a there's a sense of freedom, but it's freedom for something, right? right? It's freedom for a good. It's it's ordered to something, right? Um, and and that's that is completely consistent with the common good, right? Yes. Um, yes. You know, being a good business owner, right? Pursuing the proper good, uh, the good that's proper to your business. Um, say that you run a landscaping company, right? Um, that that pursuing that virtuously, prudently, justly, right? Um, those are things that you are at liberty to do, and the government shouldn't interfere with that. Uh, the, political, uh, the king shouldn't interfere with that. Um, in fact, he should protect that activity yeah. uh, uh, um, uh, and respect it because it, it, it contributes to the common good. Right. Awesome. Well, Dr. Smith, I think you've given us a lot to, to think about, and it is something where – I, I think it's important for, especially you know the you know in the American landscape, political landscape here, uh, to do the mental gymnastics to go through this kind of of thinking of uh, of you know what is the common good, what is the role of the state, what is my role uh, in building up the common good, where do I need to sacrifice some individual goods. Uh, for mm-hmm. the common good, you know, and and it's important, I think, for us to 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 work our way through this to to try to think deeply about these issues because they are so important, and also because you know to understand also that as much as sometimes we just want to get away from it all and and escape sure. it, it's 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 naturally built into us. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's so I mean it's something we can't escape, but it's also some place where if lived correctly, we can find real fulfillment and flourishing. Uh, and so I want to invite all of our, all of our listeners to uh, check, go to our website, catholicstudiesacademy.com, uh, share our content. Dr. Smith has a whole lot of uh, articles and blogs on there about uh, political philosophy. Uh, if you feel so inclined, we would always love a, a donation to help us uh, keep this work going. 
Uh, and so in the meantime, uh, we'll see y'all guys next time. God bless.